listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. And just like that, the GGTMC is back. We were rocking and rolling. It is early. <laughs> yes, very so early. so early. You know, I don't know. I often wonder. Early probably wouldn't kill us as much as if we both. <laughs> you know, we neither one of us have time, so early only kills us because we don't go to bed till early. <laughs> yes, precisely. If you go to bed, you know, ten hours. Uh, if you go to bed in the a yeah, if you go to bed in the a.m. and you wake up in the a.m., there's something wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's probably what happens. So, all right, so we are back this week, and um, we got a little show. We we got you know sometimes we get hit up by our listeners about uh, some films that they think are very GGTMC worthy and stuff, and so you know we always get curious, especially when it's two films neither one of us have seen, and uh, you know we're always looking for the the next. GGTMC-esque. Did I say that right? I think I did. I'm, I'm drinking Gatorade, <laughs> not coffee. Will's not drinking coffee, so we might be fumbling a lot this morning. <laughs> um, uh, type films, these type of films that, uh, you know, members only jackets, J&B, you know, all this kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we go there. But our two films this week are, uh, I don't know what years they're from, by the way. I didn't even write those down. But uh, Sloan, what was that, from 86? Uh, yeah, Sloan yeah. is from '86, and uh, I don't even know who directed that. Oh yeah, it's uh, Daniel Rosenthal, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. And then we got um, uh, Revolt, which was uh, directed by let's just say let's just say Shabani. <laughs> Shabani's right. Shabani, and I think that's from '85, '86, '7. A seven, yeah, it's right in that range. The thing is, it doesn't have an IMDb entry under that title, so we're just going on. I think it was yeah, it's somewhere between eighty five and eighty seven. Yeah, this is a weird film because it doesn't have, a, and we'll talk about it when we do the review stuff. But uh, yeah, I think I got eighty six is what I got. That's what Netflix says. It's a weird film because it doesn't really. It's almost like it doesn't exist. So interesting, but it does. So uh, that's what we'll be talking about today, and. Um, that's all I got on the intro part. Uh, of course, uh, you know who Large William is. You know who Sammy is. Uh, you know that we do these morning things, and you know that we'll get rock and rolling here shortly. So, uh, what have you been watching, Large William? Uh, I had a, had a decent week, kind of up and down in terms of the material I watched, which I guess is the way I like it. Kind of varieties of spice of life and all that. Um, taking advantage of Netflix, uh, the U.S. Netflix, of course. Uh, the first thing I watched was. Uh, an utterly heartbreaking, um, I mean, just beyond, like, hopeless, heartbreaking documentary called The Dancing Boys of Afghanistan. And it's about um, uh, just an unbelievably awful, I mean, that doesn't even sum it up practice, that goes on in sort of the fringe uh, societies of Afghanistan um, called Bachabazi. Which is basically about boys that are young, uh, tend to be between I think ten and sixteen years of age, and they're 
taken on as um, slaves from poor families and they're used, um, they're dressed in women's clothing and they're used for dancing and uh, unfortunately if that was the worst of it, it would be, you know, bad enough but um, a lot of times they're, they're essentially sold into sexual slavery by men, very powerful men, uh, military, you know, warlords, things of that nature and uh, an Afghani reporter went undercover and he was able to expose some things and it's a pretty... Uh, pretty hopeless situation um, right, right. you know but it, it's interesting to see something you know an element of society be infiltrated like that and, and just how kind of how difficult it is to to get any change uh, a country that's still very much fractured unfortunately um, so yeah I think it was a front line or something documentary news line front line uh, only about you know an hour long um, so yeah I'll get off that before I keep rambling about it and getting angry. Yeah, I think, um, I, think I might skip that one. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I mean, like I said, it's well made, uh, it's eye opening, but it's it's pretty it's it's beyond awful. Like in terms of what you're watching, it so it just make you feel. Good. I mean, there's a bit of a happy ending with one story, but you think, well, fuck, it's one story. It's just pretty dark stuff. Um, next up, I really shifted tones and rewatched something that I hadn't seen. God, I don't know how many years. Uh, of course, the Josh Brolin classic, Thrashing. Oh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> it is. It, pretty fun, holds up pretty well. I prefer Rad as far as uh, X Games movies go, I guess. Um, <laughs> X Games movies. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I really love Rad. Thrashing's cool. It is, and it's got a lot going for it. Um, mm-hmm. The lead girl in it's pretty busted. But you know, but it's crazy to see Brolin so young, man. It, it's a good film, though, man. It's got some great stuff in it. I love that mid '80s LA. So yeah, it's, uh, it's always weird to see Brolin. Every time I see Brolin nowadays, I always think about those some of the films he did when he was young, the Goonies and that, and riding a yeah. little bike in Goonies and shit. So yeah, that was that uh, fun revisit. And then I went to a uh, probably an even more fun revisit. Um, not because it's a better film in the traditional sense, but better in terms of our sensibilities, which I think we're going to try to wrangle in the Sylvan Gold Boys and do some coverage uh, in the next month or so, and that's Lombada. Nice. <laughs> this really is a Pantheon film uh, <laughs> as far as bad films go. It's it's sort of um, the inept lum- dancing cousin to Cool as Ice. Yes. <laughs> It really, it's an unbelievable. It's really you have to see it to believe. It is so unbelievably of its time, and and yet um, clueless to its time and any other time that's ever existed. Uh, it's fantastic. And I was telling you, there's a movie that came out the same day, Lombada: The Forbidden Dance. <laughs> Two Lombada films the same day came out in theaters. They were trying to beat each other to the theaters. So. Yeah, I know. I always get them confused. I just so know, do I. I know one of them has Sid Haig and one of them doesn't. <laughs> that's right. Forbidden Dance does. And in fact, I went to revise the Miso. Um, listening to Say Lombada, the forbidden colon, the forbidden dance, but then I realized, wait, this isn't the forbidden. Well, it's the forbidden dance. It is the it's forbidden not, dance. Uh, <laughs> no, not Lombada, the forbidden dance, title wise. So, really fun rewatch. I watched it with my wife. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, I watched a pretty short documentary from Vice magazine. Uh, I think it's a series they do called Fringes, Stories from the Edge. They're kind of people in sort of, again, fringe societies. This was one called How to Sell Drugs. They look at what they claim to be the biggest drug dealer in New York City. Um, and now he sells $100,000 worth of product uh, a week, which seems a bit small in terms of numbers if you're going to be the biggest drug dealer in New York City. But 
nonetheless, interesting, uh, if short. Um, this guy has a pretty good system in place. He sells pretty much everything 24 hours a day, so not bad. Um, then I finished off my week with a couple of Louis Thoreau documentaries. Um, first one was Twilight of the Porn Stars. Oh, yes. Which uh, was a follow-up. 97, he went to San Fernando Valley. He looked at the porn industry, and then 15 years later, he followed up. It was This was fantastic. Um, you can find it online. Um, if you Google it, uh, it's, it's. I actually just watched it that way. Really tremendous stuff. There's a really great piece with uh, the male porn actor, uh, Tommy Gunn. Not not gay porn. He was, he's just a male porn actor. And uh, really, really, really good documentary. Really fantastic stuff. Um, I've really come to like Thoreau and the, the handful of so uh, documentaries of his I've seen. And then I followed it up with, um, I was sitting in traffic for three hours. So since I wasn't moving, I was able to put something on. Because um, I don't condone driving and watching movies, obviously. But I wasn't technically driving. I was sitting still. It's always good to have a backup. Yeah, I always have, yeah. a, I always have a couple on my iPod. Yeah, you never know what you're going to be sitting in. Yes. So I watched, um, I think it's either called America's Most Hated Family or America's Most Hated Church. And so you can guess who that is. <laughs> yes, uh, Good old Fred Phelps uh, <laughs> yes. and the Westboro Baptist. So again, very, very good. Um, it was a follow-up he had done, I think, four or five years earlier. A couple of the daughters of family members, uh, including Fred Phelps Jr., had left the church. Um, again, very good. It's, it's insane how... <sighs> That family is. I just don't get it. Yeah. I just don't get it. Because um, at that point, it's really beyond religious choice. I'm very much pro-choice, as it were, when it comes to religion. I think that a lot of the non-believers are just as bad as the believers in terms of how they're zealots, and they try to ram it down our throats that God doesn't exist. And quite frankly, whether he does or doesn't isn't my place to decide. As long as people are happy to believe what they believe and not ram what they believe on people's throats, then that's kind of the way I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're quite the opposite, uh, you know, as everyone who knows about them knows. So, again, very, very good. Um, Louis, you know, despite usually being pretty, even though we know his stance, he doesn't overtly express his opinion. And in this one, he flat out says, you guys are fucking insane idiots. Um, and I don't, you're, you're reprehensible. These beliefs are reprehensible. So, you know, very good. Uh, and that was my week. Yes, nice. Did you finish off the Killer Elite? Oh, yes. I meant to mention that. I did. Um, very, very good stuff. Um, oh, good. Just want to make I sure. I just want to just want to feel get a feel that you liked it or not. I did. I didn't. I liked the first half better than the second half. It feels a little bit disjointed, um, but even still, I agree with that. Um, I still quite liked it, and it's nice to see De Niro in something other than dog shit. <laughs> and Statham does hold his own. Owen's fantastic. Um, the, the David Morrissey-looking guy with the thin face, uh, oh, yeah, Statham's yeah. crew. Yeah, pretty good. He's from Toronto. I found out. So very pleasant surprise. Thank you to you and, and Aaron uh, and anyone else who who repped for the film. It was I don't know why I would have slept on it. Good, good, good stuff. Well, I just it, it looked pretty standard. That's why I think. But uh, you know, the, <laughs> I'm there thinking Robert De Niro in Meet the Dog Shits. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> ironic that that's really part of the reason I kept away from it. I mean, yeah. if it was just an Owen film, Owen usually is some pretty good stuff, but Statham's hit or miss in terms of the quality of stuff he's in, and De Niro equals dog shit lately, so yeah. it's sad, but I mean, De Niro's, the, I will say, the best actor of our generation, or the generation just before us, however you want to classify generations, 
Um, I think it's just those paychecks, you know. Yeah, he made his mark, and so he was collecting some checks, which, hey, you know, he's earned the right to do that, I guess. It's just there's a sin of value. You can't help but want to see him do other stuff. So just to be clear, that film's not, you know, number one with a bullet for the year, but <laughs> but a very pleasant surprise. That They'll probably make the back end of my top 30 for the year. Well, that's a good film. Or, oh, no, it wouldn't qualify, actually. I, it kind of We missed the boat on that one, yeah. but... Even style, I gotta give it up. Good watch. It's good. It's a good film. It's a good film. That's, that's, that's what I'd say too. I wouldn't say great film, good film. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. So mine's really easy. I didn't watch jack shit. <laughs> 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 I really didn't. I didn't watch anything outside of the two films. It's been a really busy week. I had to plan for my. my it was help to help my wife. My wife did most of the work, and God bless her for that. Uh, but uh, I had to plan for my son's birthday party. Uh, I spent most of my time at a bounce house yesterday until I nearly crushed my son playing around with him. I'd, I'd done the same move like 20 times and nothing had happened. And uh, this time I did it. And when I did it, he fell toward me as a far as opposed to away from me. And I was in midair and I couldn't move. Uh, so I just got like at the side of his body. But he was exhausted. And, you know, of course, it scared the shit out of him and it scared the shit out of me. So. You know, I felt bad, but he was so exhausted, man. It, it, I felt so bad for him. He was, you know, it was ninety plus degrees here in Kentucky, and those and then anybody's ever been in the South knows or lives in the South knows about humidity. And uh, it was way hotter than ninety. It felt a lot hotter than ninety, and uh, and we're inside this thing, and I'm pouring sweat, and I got two shirts on, and you know, I just it's just ridiculous. So. Just, <laughs> <laughs> A disaster waiting to happen. But we after we got home last night, he fell. He fell asleep on the way home, so we let him sleep. And uh, it, it wasn't, you know, wasn't the best idea probably because you know he that's an awful late nap. He didn't let you know it was like six o'clock in the evening. But when he woke up, he still wasn't awake. Man, I just think he was. I just think he was beat. I just think he was exhausted. So yeah, it happens. The heat really saps you too. I know it was really hot this week. It was with the humidity over one hundred and ten a few days here. It's just brutal, man. It just saps you completely. Yep. So that's a, that's pretty much all I did. I didn't do much anything else. I'm trying to think if I did anything else. I got a couple of Netflix films that I was going to watch that I got in the mail, but I haven't got anything going. So just been one of those weeks. One of those weeks. <laughs> no, no dice. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other good stories I got, but I got nothing. I got nothing. I uh, still don't really care for Thor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People are going to like to poke the bear with a stick with that one i think for quite some time <laughs> i've been quiet on it for a while that was fun yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh which one do you want to cover uh first here today let's do revolt first all right let's give uh somebody uh his his due and uh, show him that we love iranians as much as anyone <laughs> yes <laughs> or yeah the okay we'll talk about it but just I had some. I got confused a couple of times. All right, so we, which is nothing new when it comes to me. All right, we're going to take a short break, ladies and gents, and when we come back, we will do Revolt, nineteen eighty six, Netflix instant watch because you won't find anything else out about it anywhere else practically. All right, we'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Cat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from the Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From the big sleep to Big Mama's house. Well, maybe not Big Mama's house. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. 
But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Well, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libson.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. Welcome back. Little, uh, I think that's from the Dynamite Brothers, but uh, yeah, a little black exploitation. It goes perfect with these two movies. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm making that up. I think you're still turned down too, Will. So, <laughs> oh, uh, I gotta fill my my weekly quota of laughing while turned down. <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> I'd, like have, I'd like to have a recorded history of all the great laughs that we've missed. <laughs> It'd be fantastic. We'd probably have an old style episode, three and a half hours worth. We <laughs> going, Rick. Uh, I think you're still turned down. <laughs> cursing under my breath. Oh. All right. So, I guess I'll take the lead on this one. Um, do you want to try to synopsize it a little bit? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Jay Shambani. Shambani. Shabani uh, presents this uh, labor of love <laughs> from 1986 um, uh, California set film about um, quite fr- quite simply um, a simple man who just wants to run his thousand and one eats Iranian restaurant with his Iranian wife. He's an American man, and uh, his brother gets mixed up in running drugs for. Uh, for Tom Selleck and uh, there's, all a, hell. there's a lot of Tom Selleck's. There's a lot of Tom Selleck and, and uh, things don't end well for for uh, for Chris. Is it not Chris? Is it, I can't remember our, our hero's name now, but they don't end well for his brother, which means they don't end well for Selleck. Um, <laughs> it's a revengeful sort. So uh, this one, it should be said, was I think wrapped by Keith Allison. Sir Duke, Thomas Duke, Ken Johnson, uh, From, maybe a few uh, We like stuff too, yeah. We like stuff Cody, uh, Bryn, a few other people thought, yeah. yeah, this one's pretty, pretty too legit to quit, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, well, I mean, we'll get into why. I can see why and everything, and uh, we'll talk about it here. All right, so this film stars uh, Rand Martin and uh, a bunch of, uh, I think, uh, Iranian uh, celebrities to some degree, because uh, the only research i could find was uh doing all my research for the film because this film it's it's like it doesn't exist i, I don't think we've ever done a film that doesn't exist on imdb oh yes we have we've have done we? a few have we i don't know we did surviving edged weapons which well, is an instructional video um <laughs> that's a special case altogether <laughs> we have i think done at least one more maybe two more that don't have imdb credits let's we'll look at and see but i don't, I don't yeah. recall I don't recall having anything. Well, not only that, but I don't have. I don't think there's any. I couldn't find the lead anywhere on IMDb. The lead I couldn't find. I think Rand Martin is the Tom Selleck drug baron. 
or not different drug brand, Crime Baron. I know. No, no, I think Rand Martin is the type blue jean wearing a members only, black members only jacket guy. Is it? Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe so. Um, but I know that uh, Fatine is the Iranian wife. She was a, a Persian um, musician, quite famous. In fact, I posted one of her music videos on our <laughs> Facebook group. Yeah. That's about the only research I could find, too. It's <laughs> that same and, video. <laughs> yeah, that. And then Safarina is the her father in the film. He's a very famous Iranian comedic actor, um, and I posted a fan page from Facebook with some old pictures of him in that same thread. So there's a lot of one-named Persian actors, oddly, in the credits. I don't know how uh, Shabani thought that shortening the Persian names to one name was going to either benefit or, I don't know. It, I would think that even like this Shabani himself would have some credits, you know, but nothing. Seems or, like the kind of situation we love when a businessman wants to make a movie. Yeah, or, or uh, you know, even like the screenplay writer Shield would have a credit somewhere. <laughs> with with this, with well, it's it's very appropriate that in an action film of sorts, the the screenplay writer's name is Shield, and it should be said the the director of still photography was D Victory. Yes. <laughs> Some pretty incredible <laughs> credits here early on. Yes, yes. Really kind of put you in it's, uh, the right mood. All right, so uh, the film's weird, okay? Let me just say that right off the bat. Because it, it almost feels like, a, it almost, speaking of surviving edge weapons, it almost feels like a training video at first. <laughs> or, or an instruction, like a PSA type thing from yeah. the late 60s. Drugs are the number one problem in America. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's got about five to eight minutes of that, I would say. Where it's mm-hmm. got this intro and stuff, and it's pretty, it's pretty uh, laugh-inducing, if not just really odd uh, way to start a film. Um, of course, then it gets into its narrative and stuff, but it's really, it's really weird. Uh, the club reminded me of the club in Macho Man, although I think the dancing was a little bit better in this than in Macho Man, but <laughs> a little more enthusiastic, if it's possible. I, I don't really recall <laughs> jumping being part of anyone's repertoire in a disco, but somehow here there's a lot of people jumping as they're dancing, so. Yeah. Kudos to them for for really giving it all they got. Yeah. So I sometimes wonder why people recommend films for us and say the GGTMC material. But this one, it does have the elements, right? It does have the fashion. It's very GGTMC. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, uh, members-only jackets, uh, tight jeans. A lot of facial hair. A lot of facial hair. uh, A lot of... uh, uh well there's at one point we got a guy with a vest and a, a blue jean vest but no shirt and a bandana and a shotgun yeah which is on the cover of the uh of the film the VHS cover i guess that exists uh, not even a VHS cover because this film has never been released on home video <laughs> so so i guess it was just created last week uh, <laughs> but uh yeah that's a very ggtmcs look um uh the narration does have a little bit of a charm to it uh, because it, you know, I just got myself laughing, and 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 that and then this little town that they show stock footage of, dude, there's no way that's 1986. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of more like 1970. I don't know, <laughs> 79, maybe. I don't know. It's it's in a weird kind it's of a, capsule. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a, 86 though. Yeah, it's a strange thing because all the cop cars and the cars in the film are all like 70s and 60s cars, mm-hmm. and it's really odd. And it's almost like that's all they could get a hold of, or it's all the stock footage they could get a hold of, which I thought maybe might be the case. But uh, of course, you know, sometimes you actually see the people in the cars. 
but um, it does feel that way, like stock mm. footage and stuff. Like they matched up some stock footage in some ways, because um, you know you never. Well, you do see them in the car, but you never really see the full car when they're getting out of the car. So I always think maybe it might be stock footage. They matched up some cars. They Godfrey hoed their way through that one, perhaps. Yeah, it does feel very Godfrey Ho in some ways. I mean, a little bit more competent than that. That's oh yes, that's yes. <laughs> Shabani's more competent. Less ninjas. <laughs> yes, yes. Less Richard Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> in red tracks, looking confounded on a on a bizarre telephone. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so for me, let me just get this out of the way up front. For me, the the real star of this film is the dubbing. Because- yeah, the dubbing is interesting. Some people <laughs> feel like they've dubbed their own um, lines, and other ones, I think probably most of them have dubbed their own lines, but somehow it was dubbed post, I guess, yeah. and yeah. it kind of creates an interesting effect. Yeah, it's very bizarre, and it's it it's pretty funny. There's some... Uh, some really funny, and the thing that's that's funny about the dubbing is the earnestness. <laughs> this this earnest, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's, this this is dialogue spoken very earnest. I can't even say the fucking word anymore, so I'm not even going to try. The film it does feel very earnest from the dubbing on down, yeah. which is 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 a, something that works in its favor when you have, <laughs> when you have a film like this. It's like, hey, you want to do the job? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do the job. Everyone in this film, it should be said, I saw in one review, and I think it's pretty funny and accurate. They said, everyone seems like they were dubbed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is kind of the vibe you get. Because, I mean, it is like wrestling talk. It's very earnest and very, you know, it feels very honest, even though... You know, they. I mean, obviously, they they weren't going. This this isn't pre made cult type stuff like we talked about. Like you talked about on the Facebook group yesterday a little bit. Abraham. Yeah, it's not like Lincoln. a pre made cult thing. Yeah. You know, it's not aiming for a certain audience. This this film was just looking for any audience, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest audience possible. Obviously, judging from the cover that was made two weeks ago with a briefcase full of cash, a helicopter, cop car, tough tits, <laughs> yeah. an explosion out of a volcano with our guy coming out of it. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, I mean, it's a great cover. It's mm-hmm. Great stuff. Uh, all right. So there should be said, there's a, there's a gunshot death in this. That might be one of the most overacted gunshots of deaths I've ever seen in any film. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's, yeah. like, it's like, dude, die, please. You're driving me crazy. I think he really jumped back too when he got shot. I mean, really jumped back. <laughs> so there's this great line of dialogue. Um, in the film that's dubbed, and I do have to admit it's quite genius. Now, there's a moment where <laughs> our lead comes into the to a barn. They keep going back to this barn so they can shoot. Oh, I hope this. this is the line you're. Gonna, I think you're going to say. Yeah, I think I got one of the names wrong though. Uh, Macintosh is there a villain? <laughs> no, no, no. Man, Macintosh is a villain, but uh, who wrote this? Bill Gates. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had a, a Bill Gates line, ironically, somehow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that even meant anymore. But I just crossed it out. I just put the word Bill Gates. Yeah. At one point, the uh, ball headed character, or somebody, or no, it was the Macintosh character. He says, Give me that gun, Tom. Here, Pete. Hold it right there. Whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> and he says all these names right off. But it's just genius the way he says it. He's like, Give me that gun, Tom. Here, Pete. Hold it right there. <laughs> Bob, or whatever. It's like, What the fuck? Yeah, the bald guy that wore like the <laughs> shitty um, knockoff. Washington Redskins shirt for half the film. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 actually kind of funny. There's some moments where you know they call him on on the uh, phone and he's like, "Don't you worry about it. We're heading right over there right now. We're going to take care of this." 
Yeah, he's the cleaner from Macintosh. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit of a klutz. <laughs> yeah. Got a big fucking bald head, too, yeah, man. Yeah. I almost feel like, though, with this film, that it was made, like, well before it was released. Like, oh, totally. You know, like, it was made somewhere, and it just set, and it was dubbed during, like, you know, the height of, you know, like, VHS mania, or during the mania where you could get films like this into theaters. Still, I mean, in the mid-'80s, you could still get a lot of movies into theaters. I, I feel mean, like it was made, they didn't have the money to finish it in dubbing, so mm -hmm. the dubbing happened, like, three years later. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know... the. I feel like that, that that's what would happen with this one because I was thinking about, you know, growing up that there's a lot of movies I could see in movie theaters still, even in, you know, this part of the, you know, United States that now it wouldn't even get play because now, you know, megaplexes and everything else show four or five screenings of, you know, whatever Harry Potter film or whatever's out, you know, right? So. Mm -hmm. I feel like this film would have squeezed in somehow. You know, I've seen some some crazy films in movie theaters growing up. You know, some stuff. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Obviously. I saw your in theaters. Yeah, that's a good example right there. Your, I mean, you're talking about an Italian exploitation film shown in American theaters. So, so there, you know, you see stuff like that, and you think that maybe this was out there. Maybe they just thought that you could turn a buck. You know, because they probably didn't spend a lot of money on it. Because it's not, it doesn't have a lot of production value. No, I mean, they do. You can tell they do the best they can, but it, again, it very much feels like a businessman wanted to make a film and put all of his own money into it mm -hmm. and used everything he had at his disposal. Like the Persian restaurant, he's Persian. There's a Persian restaurant in it, which clearly was like a friend's restaurant, and he's got some of his family, you don't know, pulling in favors left and right to get his film made. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really weird. The, the, I think the one of the most. Thing one of the things I think it's it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of a fault of the film is how the tone is all over the place. It, it's yeah. it's very silly, and then it's very serious. I mean, it, actually, it's really serious in some spots. It is. If you have children, it's incredibly serious in some spots. And it, yeah, it's a really bizarre angle to take because up to that point, it doesn't really. <laughs> It doesn't really seem like it's going to be that serious, and of course, there's a rape. Um, should be said that I thought that blonde was she was, uh, and in Silver and Gold world, uh, world, I thought she was hot. Ooh, I thought she looked like little truck stop methy yeah, for my liking. But uh, I like those. You know, hey man, you know, don't, don't make fun of my, my likes. I wouldn't throw it. I am a big fan of the Facebook uh, truck stop methy girls <laughs> page. <laughs> You're an admin on that page. <laughs> no, I like. I, I liked her. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the right one, right? Say the one that uh, was. Uh, well, I guess. Yeah. The one that got raped. Yeah, the one that got raped. Yeah, I guess there's only one that got raped. <laughs> There's only one rape in the film. Another GG Team CT wall. You can have meth, and I'll have the little Persian sweetie. Mm -hmm. I'll take her instead. She was our, fine too. She was our fine hero's too. wife. Yeah, the, the 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 females in here were not unattractive, and in an average way, they were certainly fine. The dudes uh, were not unattractive. <laughs> yeah, they were quite unattractive. I don't know who the beefcake really was. Actually, there, there truly there was one beefcake. It was. Uh, the guy who tries to trick her by guessing he's special delivery at the front door, that big meathead with the vanilla ice hair. Yeah, he's the one that he's the one that initiated the rape. That guy should have been the fucking star of the film. <laughs> That's another thing about this film. It's really weird. The, a lot of the handguns, it's like they don't fit the hands of the characters that are in the film. They're <laughs> incredibly small handguns. It's very strange. Um, so they interviewed. They introduced this uh, kind of Iranian. Uh, 
I, I am right in saying Iranian, right? Kind of prejudice angle, you know? Oh, well, yeah, I think that comes from... See, that's where the film feels like it was Shabani's way of being an Iranian in America, trying to introduce some human experience into the film, but he had two guys that is like an action drug revenge film. Right, right. So, you know, he's trying to get the best of both worlds, right? Like a lot of filmmakers do, like a lot of people who want to make a statement do, maybe Mm -hmm. I should say. So, it's a... Hang on a second. It's It's an interesting take, but because of the inconsistencies in tone, I think it really... He struggles with that. I really like that scene though where our lead is uh, I think his name's Tom anyway I can't remember uh, and I can't look it up I, <laughs> it's not an IMDb we're fucked <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not movie geniuses there we go yeah. now you're we're really- frauds <laughs> pay no attention to the men behind the curtains yes. <laughs> uh, the um, Fuck! What the hell is what the hell was I getting ready to say, man? Jesus. Tom, you're talking yeah. about you're oh, yeah. the angle when he goes to uh, talk to the other character to kind of get because his brother's been killed, and now he wants to talk to this other guy who can possibly uh, put Macintosh behind bars for life. For life. Uh, the the angle where oh, the, A A or what was that guy's name? A A J or no? No, it was A J. Maybe, maybe was it Grant? Was it? Uh, I just, fuck. Who cares? Anyway, okay, who cares? It's right. <laughs> He was uh, he he's the one that's on the uh, cover on the lamb with so, his honey out in the, at some fucking yeah. dust bowl ranch. <laughs> yeah. But I love the scene between them because he's constantly going, "You just don't understand." Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great because he just keeps saying, "You just don't understand." <laughs> now you under- and then finally he says something. He goes, "Now you understand." <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty great. Yeah, there there are moments in this film. Um, and I told Will this, I, you know, I, I I was kind of surprised that because it's pretty incompetent. So I was kind of surprised that by the end of the film that, you know, I found it enjoyable. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't love it. At, and I wouldn't consider Pantheon. No, full disclosure. Neither did I. But I did enjoy the film. I do think it's a good recommendation for our listeners to kind of check out. Yeah, uh, it's not bonkers enough. That's right. To be Pantheon, because I think it takes too many serious angles. There's not enough action, and if you're going to make an action film, it needs to be bonkers, plus lots of action and stunts and explosions, and in countries where life is cheap, like the in Indonesia or the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And now I will, like I say, I will say that uh, they they are right when they say, you know, the fashion and some of the, some of the aesthetic is definitely our world. Mm-hmm. It just misses a little bit, you know. Just it yep. just misses a little bit, but. Overall, I have to say that I was entertained by the movie. I can't. I can't. Definitely. I mean, I can't complain. It was, what is it, seventy-two minutes long, seventy-six minutes long, something like that. Yeah, seventy-two, I think. Yeah, and it, it went by pretty. It was pretty breezy. Mm-hmm. I mean, ten minutes of it is uh, a Nancy Reagan anti-drug video, <laughs> where we find out that narcotics worth thousands of dollars are being put on the open market. Yeah, I love it. thousands of dollars. You see this gentleman getting off the boat. This gentleman yes. is not a gentleman at all. He's a drug he's, dealer. He's a drug dealer. <laughs> it's pretty comical. But, uh, uh, and no. his targets. What is it? Uh, <laughs> his targets are everyone from grade school to college campuses. This could be any town, USA. Yeah. I love, I love that scene where the guy sits down with a cutout book. <laughs> <laughs> What's amazing about that is that he's clearly told his um, customers that they need to have their own magazines to put their drugs in. <laughs> So you see a few of them run up with open magazines. 
And it's, yeah, that's not, you know, it's just the most un or non-discreet drug transfer ever. And then <laughs> even to the point where our drug dealer's got the black Samsonite briefcase that he snaps open. <laughs> it's pretty comical. Oh, yeah. Though there are some funny moments. Like I say, it, it's it's worth a watch. It's on Netflix and it's in the States. It's it's easy to watch. It's a, it's a breezy watch and stuff. And there are some funny moments in it and stuff. It's just Pantheon, I would not call it, but... Uh, yeah, let's hear what you have to say about uh, revolt. See if you got, if you can add a little bit to this, <laughs> to this one. <laughs> add a little for sure, man. Um, and there was unfortunately one of the drug buyers in. No, he was a drug dealer uh, in the PSA portion in the disco that I was really hoping was going to play a larger role. He looked identical to Seth Rogen. He had a white members-only suit with the white pants tucked into his brown cowboy boots. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was hoping he would have played a larger role than there's just being an, an example made of him in the PSA portion. But, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, pants tucked into boots in this film. There is a lot of it. Um, there's some double axe handling men into submission in, early on in this film, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, Macintosh is such an evil crime baron that he has a Mercedes-Benz that changes colors from when he gets into it at his house to when he shows up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, I love when they're looking for a good driver, and I couldn't help but, I, like, if I had a fan at it, I could edit in footage of um, Gosling's driver. Oh, I know a man, he can drive. And this, because the guy, he says, I know a guy. His brother and sister run a Persian restaurant. And I'm thinking, well, sounds as good a, rep- a recommendation for a, a cr- uh, you know, a crime lord driver as any. Yeah. His yeah. parents, his, his brother owns a Persian restaurant. <laughs> um, that, uh, oh, I love when he's dropping off his nephew at school. And he's like, he doesn't even come to a rolling stop. He's like, see ya. And he just peels out and kind of pushes the kid out of the, uh, <laughs> the car at the elementary school. And then one of the moms sees this and she yells out, He's because the a friend comes up and goes. He oh, actually, I guess it was Macintosh's wife. Ironically, now that I think about it, and uh, the boys go, "Yeah, he's a cool driver." And they go, "He." She goes, "He's not cool. He's a stupid driver. He needs to obey the rules of the road." <laughs> it's kind of great, and uh, you know that's just the way it goes. Um, there's a scene when when uh, someone's being chased, and I always love in films when stuntmen. Instead of selling like a fall, they end up just kind of throwing themselves down a hill, and you can see them put, like rolling themselves down a hill, <laughs> which happens in this. Yeah, that's that's another thing. This film, that's the one thing that made me question if this film was made. Because at first I thought, well, maybe this was made in another country and shipped over. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, that isn't the case. And I was like, well, maybe it was just made by you know people from another country in our country, which is kind of the case. But the the stunts, you don't get that sense of like stupidity that comes from overseas stuntmen uh, insanity yeah well, yeah maybe stupidity is the wrong word maybe insanity might be the right word <laughs> little harsh bruh <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i don't know some of the stunts those guys do is pre- pre- pretty fucking stupid <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. insanity is a good word to kind of yeah. use for that because i think that they you don't really get that sense from this film that that's going on. That's why this film is very, I mean, I'll say it again. I've said it at the beginning. It's, it's a very confusing piece. Cause I just don't know. I just don't know what the vibe it was really going for was. Whereas just like the like piece the, on Macintosh's head was kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like the stabilizer 
you know, you like you totally kind of like within ten minutes, you kind of know what it's going for. Yeah. Well, with this one, I almost feel like I could have done any of the stunts in the film, <laughs> and I am by no means a nimble-bodied twenty-three-year-old anymore. <laughs> so, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, I think these guys need to take how to tie up your prisoner. 101 again because they seem to tie up a prisoner with sweatpants string at one point <laughs> he gets his hands free very quickly which they had to know was going to happen when you tie him in up with sweatpants string yeah well they got they got they're beaten up he he's constantly like getting loose not not getting loose like he's getting out but like if you look he's falling over like the rope quote unquote that he's tied with it's like string. it's like really stretching <laughs> oh yeah definitely <laughs> Um, so Macintosh comes and he's like, he's like his hair, man. Like that guy needed to get out of the heat. It was just frizzy and flat most of the film. Uh, you think he was Iranian? Because I think he was. No, no. Uh, was. Well, I could see maybe, maybe, maybe. I forgot yeah. to even mention the uh, Chef Boyardee lookalike in this film. Macintosh, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Tom Selleck meets Chef Boyardee. Um, <laughs> I got to say, George, uh, our hero's brother, Speaking of Ryan Gosling and Driver, rocks an incredible Canadian tuxedo. Yes. With a cropped neon, uh, neon with a cropped jean jacket. Yes. <laughs> so it's pretty great, be awesome. sadly. It would be awesome if it had some neon on it. Would have been. Uh, Macintosh loves to grab his men by the collar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's grabbing guys left and right all left the time. And right. <laughs> um. Someone that didn't grab anyone was that frumpy old nurse when, when the guy's trying to get out of the hospital. She's like, don't go. Wait. Stay here, please. And she watches the guy get out and leave instead of so much as moving a foot to hang on to him. She, she was probably thinking, oh, my day's almost over. I'm just going to make an effort, yeah. sort of, but not really. That's right, man. Um, to the Persian wife, Fatine is her name in real life. You know, she's a musician. Big black hair. Nice little piece. Um... A lot of good stash, as we talked about. I always love in these films that, that whenever there's a funeral, you get like six people at the funeral. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think about that? I think that it happens all the time in low-budget films. There's six people at a funeral. Um, why not, on that day, other than the people shooting the scene, get your extras, get your family members, get people off the street. Just get people to show up wearing black. Add something to the thing. You know what I mean? Right, right. It, this way you get 30, 40 people at the funeral at least. Mm-hmm. At least four to six people at a funeral, man. And uh, it should be so one of the bad guys is spying on the funeral. And he's, he's, he's not inconspicuous at all. Or he's not conspicuous. He's overly conspicuous. I mean, he shows up wearing like a this gray and pink fucking golf shirt or something. He's slinking around behind tombstones. Right, right. Spying. Um, and I love Macintosh. He had so much power that he says to the deputy... By the way, good job, good job, because the deputy's a mole. Spoiler alert. The deputy's a mole. And he says, by the way, after our new election, you'll be the new sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. He's like, tell McIntosh not to call me anymore. The boss is getting suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love when, like, the bald guy who wears the Redskins, the shitty Redskins knockoff shirt, when they show up at the Persian restaurant and the wife, they're taking the wife's taking the order. Oh, yeah. And they say, oh, she's okay, what are you having? And he grabs her and goes, I'll have a piece of ass. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple like uh, really funny moments like that. They're really silly and stuff, and I was kind of hoping that's what it would stay with. But like I say, by the back end, it just gets way too it just gets way too serious for its own good. Yeah, um, there's a really impressive uh, like fashion, like a Hail Hitler karate move that someone does at one point where they do the Hail Hitler symbol and it blasts a guy under the chin and knocks him a few feet. <laughs> it's a pretty insane move. The per see the restaurant they have a thousand and one eats. Get it. Um, it's almost it's almost like politically incorrect now to say. Yeah, something. it would be. Um, they it has an interior that's very Persian, but an exterior that's old timey pioneer wooden cabin. So yeah, or stock footage is what I thought it might be. Precisely, or you know, director's um, cottage. Uh, it's very you know so. Uh, Selick Macintosh, as we'll call him, he is a fashion plate. Yes, <laughs> he really is. A, I mean, he's got everything from polka dot cowboy shirts to I mean, a ton of he got he rocked a few big ascots. Yes, like they almost look like silk bath towels. Yeah, or silk beach towels wrapped around his neck. It's obvious he's got money. Well, he does have money, and my favorite line in the film comes when um, one of. Uh, one of the goons says to him when they're out, he goes, you built an empire here. And I'm looking around, and I see a rickety barn and some rusty farm equipment. <laughs> so that's Macintosh's yeah. empire. Yeah, it's a huge empire. It's incredible. It's, uh, I can see maybe why you wouldn't like this one, because it is very reminiscent of Macintosh is very much the Tony Montana character. Yes. <laughs> he does have, yeah. you know, he had like a statue of Atlas uh, in front of his farm. Um, I love how confused non-actors are at emoting in films like this. Yeah. Just seem confused by basic human emotion. Like there's aliens and robots cast in the film. Um, I got a lot of notes, surprisingly, but I'll pare them down here. Um, we talked about, yeah, methy truck stop waiters with bad roots, uh, which I certainly wouldn't throw out of bed. Um... <laughs> It's a guy with a fucking, what's his name? Tiny. Tiny runs a joint that I've probably seen, I've never seen more crystal, crystal slash mirror slash pleather upholstery combination anywhere in a restaurant. Yeah, I have, to, I have to wonder if maybe they, like if that was like a expensive spot for them to get. Jesus, you talk about wall-to-wall, say, shag rug. This is floor-to-ceiling like mosaic crystals and mirrors and pleather. <laughs> It's pretty incredible. And Tiny realizes he's going to keep himself kind of looking the part because he wears a, a zebra shirt with a black leather vest. Oh, yeah. Pretty great stuff. Um, it's a, he gets a really quick black eye, too, it should be said. Yeah, black eye to match his fucking black vest. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a quick black eye. He literally gets punched in the face, and, like, two minutes into the film, he's got, like, a <laughs> like a Charlie Chaplin black eye. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Definitely. Needs, uh, it usually takes about a day for a black guy to show up. <laughs> you throw some some shawarma on that eye, man. Make that swelling go down. Um, they they do sh- kind of shoehorn the 1979 Iran or the Tehran, uh, the American hostage incident into this film with some news like news footage and stuff. Like I said, it's it's sincere. It's not. It's because I think this guy was Iranian or Persian. He was, you know, trying to kind of speak on on the the Persian experience in America at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sincerity is there. It is, you know, it definitely is, and it's funny though, you know, to look at it now because there's a moment when Macintosh 
And I think a few of Macintosh's guys go, yeah, that damn Steve Brown owns that Persian restaurant. Yeah, it's Steve. And then this Steve. news story really incites them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like it takes them over the edge. Over the edge to the point where they, even the wife, because the two boys, I've run in a twist of fate, Steve Brown's son, uh, who's half Persian, and Macintosh's son are best friends. And I love the mother says to Macintosh's son, because the son goes, he's my best friend. I want to be friends with him. And she says, you don't need friends that cause riots and hold people against their will. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Um, what else do we got? Uh, oh, as Duke said, at one point, our hero wears a pink Lacoste, black members only, cowboy boots. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got a good look. Very GGTMZ, you know? A lot of times the music in this film like it was felt like it was called from the Adam West Batman show <laughs> when there was action going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of strange. Um What's this? How about some How about some, oh, how about, how about some landscaping? The girl that gets raped, man. Homegirl needs to keep her lawn a little more manicured. She has fucking weeds coming up everywhere through her driveway like this house was not in good shape. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Not in good shape at all. And the rape scene's funny. I mean, it, not in that fact, obviously, of the act of rape, but it's just, it's you know, it's, it's an aptly done. And do it. Well, actually, it's not that bad, but, but it's just kind of humorous because the one guy, and it should be said, all the villains in this film, they dress like dudes you'd see at a fucking flea market. <laughs> like, they're got, like, you know, kind of like, knockoff members only jackets with their slacks and the one guy I love when he does the Gene Simmons Gene Simmons tongue flick when he pulls up uh, the chick's uh, skirt uh-huh. I took a screenshot of it and posted it on my group the skirt uh, it, was, uh, it was a robe she just got out of the shower oh she, yes because she says that I just got out of the shower you're going to have to wait a minute that's right that's right uh, <laughs> and the switchblade comes out foils the rape yes well not, not, not exactly but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, we get another harsh moment. It's like, this doesn't fit in to me. Yeah. Uh, Villains drive Datsun pickups, so Macintosh uh, certainly spares no expense when outfitting his men with the best equipment. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Steve Brown's friend is kitted up nicely with a jean vest, no shirt, red headband, world headband. And I have to wonder if that was a tribute to his raped girlfriend, Nancy, because she wore a raped headband. Right. Like, is that why he rolled his headband? Yeah, I don't know. Those rolled headbands, man, that really takes me back. It does. Oh. Takes me back to last weekend. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Yeah, so at this point, Macintosh must have felt like Tony Montana. I mean, his empire was crumbling all around him. Yeah. And again, by empire, I mean tin-roofed barn with rusty farm equipment everywhere. <laughs> it was collapsing. I mean, like this farm makes Leatherface's farm look palatial by comparison. <laughs> oh, um, oh man! <laughs> the the jean vested guy he he does some pretty exuberant shotgunning. Like it almost looks like someone if you photoshopped a shotgun into David Lee Roth's hands during the jump video. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that's how this guy shotguns people. That'd be amazing, actually. So, I'm thinking about that video with a shotgun in it. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I love how Macintosh jams his wife and kid in the car for like the final car chase. <laughs> yeah, it's a, again, insane. It just, I don't know. That's, that's my biggest problem with the film is the tone. Yeah. So there you go. Let's talk about it. Let's rate it and move on. All right. Uh, my make or break, sadly, it's a little bit of a break. It's a lead. I just thought he's very bland. 
Yeah. Uh, he has the look, but he's 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 actually trying to act, which I think if he'd have just went full blown nuts and tried to act, it would have been. He yelled more. Yeah. Would have been a little bit better. Maybe this film needed Bruno Mattei. Maybe that's who they needed, you know. Mm-hmm. But either way. Or Stereo yeah. Santiago or Eddie Romero, one of these yeah. guys. Teddy Page. Teddy Page. <laughs> but anyway, either way, he's he's not bad. He's just kind of average. That's the problem I have. I mean, he's he's competent enough in the film. He's just kind of average. And I, I, I think it's a little bit of a break. I think he, I think with a stronger hero like, like a Peter O'Brien or somebody oh, like yeah. that, I think with a stronger hero with more personality in his acting, I think we could have had a little bit more of a gem here, but more gusto. Yeah, I think as it stands, it's it's a little bit of a break for me. The my MVT, uh, this is a weird one, but it's my favorite thing about the film is the dubbing. <laughs> nice. It, it's just fun. It, it's it's like one of those. It's almost like one of those type things you make fun of when people make fun of films that are dubbed. This is like a good example because it's mm-hmm. really just so insane the way they talk, the way they sound, some of the dialogue they spout. And it's accurate dialogue because when they do close-ups of the characters, I mean, they're saying what they're saying. Oh, yeah. So that's what makes it even more insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my score for the film, I'm going to give this a six. I think it's breezy and fun. Uh, not great. Not Pantheon, but worth a watch. That's about all I can say about it. Very fair. My make or break. What didn't necessarily break it for me, but what didn't, when you're throwing around, like, they're in Pantheon, what certainly kept it from being Pantheon. Very, the biggest thing was lack of action. I mean, it's an action movie, right? And the action isn't very action-y. So you don't have to be um, Yuan Wu-Ping when choreographing fights. You don't have to be um, uh, Australian uh, Grant Page when choreographing stunts, but you have to go for the gusto. Yeah. And it doesn't quite do that. Uh, in saying that, though, my MVT is the clumsy kind of earnestness. It really adds to the film's enjoyment. Um, I did everyone was sincere about what they were doing. It's certainly a breezy, fun watch. Uh, I'll give it a 6.25, just a touch higher than yours. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's our thoughts on Revolt. Again, that's on Netflix Instant on in the States. Pretty easy to find. Once you see the cover, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing that voice this morning. I think because my throat kind of hurts. But anyway. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break. Come back and talk about 1986's, I think, Sloan. So, so we'll be back right after this. Hey, everyone. This is Coffin John of V Cinema, the site that covers Asian film from cult to the classics. Join Josh of VariedCelluloid.net, Rufus of CineAwesome.com, and me on the V Cinema Show a podcast that features Asian film discussions, special guests, interviews, and live event coverage. Our podcast is published bi-weekly on Mondays. So check us out on vcinemashow.com or search us out on iTunes. Also join the discussion and fun by following us on Twitter at vcinemashow and joining us on our Facebook page, which is located at facebook.com slash vcinema and of course check out our blog at vcinemashow.com for reviews features and interviews
everybody. Welcome back. Again, music perfectly fitting for a film like Sloan. <laughs> hey, what's that from? Uh, Truck Turner. Fuck, I loved that piece, man. I really dug that. I'm not going to get that soundtrack in my life. Yeah, that's like that's Isaac Hayes there. Genius musician who doesn't get enough credit. Uh, yeah. yep. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. Well, he's, known, he's known for uh, one song, it seems, which is kind of weird when you think yeah. about his whole... He's got a lot of great stuff in his, his catalog, too. Did a lot of really experimental stuff and... Fuck, I didn't get any concept albums. A really, really tremendous uh, person. I just heard a thumping noise. I don't know what that was. At your house or mine? At my house. <laughs> so I don't know what that was. So I kind of concerned a little bit. All right, so you're going to take the lead on this one. I'm going to synopsize. See what we got here. All right, this film was. Uh, who was this film recommended by? Shiftless, right? Shiftless. I mean, this is a big recommend from a guy who knows his shit. Shit. All right, uh, let's see here. <laughs> a former cop and martial arts expert, Philip Sloan, is retained by family and flies to Manila in search of clues. He's joined by an old friend, Pete Saimi. Sa- 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 I can't remember. And uh, the, a sister of a uh, victim, uh, Cynthia, which is... Cindy. So, no, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in an adventure which includes worldwide religious cult, a Chinese overlord, a brothel, and a cave-dwelling cannibal pygmy. Must be seen to be believed. That's what this synopsis says. <laughs> All right, so, Lars William, what did you think of Sloan? Must be Sloan. Seen, must be seen to be believed. Yes. Uh, great poster. I'll say that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's an amazing Shirtless, tough-titted man with an, a woman in his arms, and I think an Uzi and a snarl on his face. So that's always uh, good. Um, the copy we have is a beat-up Dutch VHS, I believe. Yes. Yeah, this it's film, so great. This film is not really available anywhere. So Another one that's hard to find, motherfucker. Well, Revolt is was hard to find research-wise, but yes. you, you can find it to watch it. This one, you're going to have Ooh. you're gonna have some issues. Ooh. Yeah. And what's great about this is that... Ooh. I'm going to review the whole movie while I'm on. Uh, we can see someone's pl- pressed play as they hit record, as the film's being recorded. You know what I mean? Like, you can see the play button or the play <laughs> yeah, yeah. come up. Yeah, it's definitely um, recorded. <laughs> it opens up with some, some very, really great... Uh, wind flute Chinatown music that you see in a lot of like western films (laughs) especially of the time so they see Manila and I start to get excited thinking fuck Philippines gonna be some good Filipino style action we're in for it Dutch VHS the Dutch and and Swedish VHS tapes usually pretty rad films um so uh yeah that's what it that's what I was thinking but I don't think I quite got what I was thinking um it's clear early on that Rosenthal was not as green as Shabani was as a director. Yeah. He'd been involved with the product of making film. Right, right. He's still working. He was uh, the post-production accountant on The Gray. I was going to bring that up, actually. <laughs> it's ironic. It's seriously uh, ironic. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, from one macho hero to another. Yeah. He's directed uh, one film, and now he's an accountant on, <laughs> on a film that I really, you know, that we both really loved. Yeah, strange thing, man. <laughs> Plus, he produced uh, Tag, the assassination game, which I think Nick Castle directed. If I'm not cor- if I'm not uh, correct in saying that, I think it's Lisa. It's a very popular nice. cover. Uh, uh, it's got a girl with a 
tight jeans on getting shot with a one of those sucker darts right on her ass. Nice. The tagline is this time the butler didn't do it. <laughs> it, it, it. I don't know if you've ever seen Tag, but it's kinda it's kinda fun little eighties film. I don't know if I have. I may have. Maybe we'll cover it at some point. Yeah. Um in this film everyone's a smart ass. <laughs> well, like, everyone. Yeah. Everyone is a smart ass. Yeah. And unfortunately <laughs> for us. Sloan is the king of the smart asses. This guy is the most smart ass, smarmy lead I've seen in some time in any film. I mean, he is, yeah. he, he's an asshole. He is a shithead <laughs> douchebag and not even like the, like sort of an unrepentant anti-hero way. Like he's just a smug dickhead who wears deck <laughs> shoes with no. pulled up white socks most of the film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's such a shithead. He... It's like they were trying to go for a little bit of Han Solo and a few other kind of people. And it just, at first you think, oh, okay, he's witty, he's going to sing a few lines. But it's like everything is just the same from him over and over. Smug, smarmy, blah, blah, blah. And he keeps calling Cynthia or Cindy, Cynthia, Cindy or Cynthia, whatever one she doesn't want to be called. And Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, He's like, okay, see you again in 12 years. <laughs> yeah. He keeps yeah. saying it to her. Ugh. <laughs> but um, he does manage to sleep with her for some reason. <laughs> he does, but what's weird is that doesn't cut the sexual tension between them. Yeah. <laughs> Normally when that happens, then they kind of put their guard down and team up properly, but... He's still bickering and pissy with her. Yeah. Well, he sleeps before, before he sleeps with her. He tells her, "Okay, I'm gonna sleep with you, but I'll forget about you in a couple of days or something." Like he says something smart ass to her like that. Yeah. He's. What does he say? Uh, he says something like, uh, "Oh, this is a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No. 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 Something. No future or no. I don't know. That actress though, Deborah Blee, I think's her name. Fucking hot. Yeah, she's in the films that I like. She's in Savage Streets with Linda Blair, which I'm sure we'll oh, cover. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan of that. I wonder who she is in that. Yeah, she's in it. I, I can't remember who she is. Wouldn't mind savaging her street. <laughs> she's in Hamburger, the uh, motion movie. Picture. Nice. <laughs> and the the Malibu Bikini Shop. But in between, she did, between Hamburger and Savage Streets, she did Sloan. So she only did about nice. uh, one, two, three, four, five, six films. So. so what's her name in the film actually? Cindy or was it th- Cynthia? It was Cynthia. Thursby. Oh, Cynthia. Cynthia Thursby. Cynthia Thursby. Um, we get another rape that, uh, or, or a further rape that's foiled with a switchblade in this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, all I, of our, our listeners are always looking out for us with the rapes. The rape and the switchblade action. Um, there is a pretty awesome body slam through glass table in this film. There's a few stunts in this film that I wouldn't want to be performing. Yeah. These are, these, well, they're Filipino stunts, right? So Exactly. You you get that feeling uh, by the stunts because that I don't know how far he fell off camera onto that glass table, but that looked like real glass. He, he as I like to say, that guy got Lee Remicked oh, yeah. because if you've seen The Omen, yeah. this is like Lee Remick uh, <laughs> meets in an ECW hardcore match. Yeah. And what's funny is, is you see Resnick, our lead, really struggling to get that guy over the over the uh, over. the banister there to get him out. <laughs> I mean. It was, yeah. The guy had to sell it. It's like Andre the Giant with Hogan at WrestleMania three. Yeah. I just noticed that both of our rapes are near rapes are set up by showers. 
and foiled with switchblades or yeah. like except, you know from except this one goes one step further because one of the henchmen wears suspenders and that's badass it is pretty incredible <laughs> and what's great is that after the near rape Cynthia is not thankful at all that she's been saved from rape but she's upset that her real estate deal has kind of been botched yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cynthia needs to get her priorities straight clearly yeah. She does have a nice set of real estate, though. She does. She does. Um, I don't even know why I tried to be gentlemanly about that. <laughs> uh, I love the grade four kind of sweater haircut combo on the, this one. It looks like he's wearing, remember Cricket brand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> these motherfuckers are wearing Cricket shirts in this film. Yeah, that's crazy. These henchmen are they are pretty funny, actually. Goofy idiots. And then the tracking goes out on our copy at some point. Had to laugh at completely. Yeah, it just knocks right out. Oh, I know what it was. <coughs> Sloan is supposed to kind of be like, um, like Han Solo meets Ra- Ra- I was gonna say Rambo, Rambo with a bit with a popped Lacoste golf shirt collar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. the one of the weird things about this film is how he goes from martial arts action hero kind of badass driving through town asking questions. All of a sudden, he's got the bandolier of bullets and the big M16. And oh man, it's, it's like, like insane! It is insane because hey, it goes from preppy kind of nautical inspired gear to uh, to fucking soldier of fortune, <laughs> or you know, action film of the time is what it really did. Yes, so. precisely. Um, Sloan's so good that he can fuck a woman uh, while his dick is still in his white jeans. Yeah, yeah. He's just that uh, that girl, I guess. Yeah. Um, bizarre, kind of breezy '80s sexy sitcom music during the search montage. Now, yeah, not only that, but the intro to Sloan the character, the intro to this film, and the closing credits, kind of like the Sloan theme, if you will, Daddy. Yeah, uh, is this kind of breathy sax music? It's I'm really- saying it felt more like it would have been at home in like uh, you know um, the show that that followed up after. Uh, Kate Nally on TV or something. Yeah. Was it Kate Nally? Uh, Perfect Strangers or something, maybe. What's that? I was thinking maybe Balky and Perfect Strangers or whatever it was. Say that one more time. I was thinking Balky and Perfect Strangers. Oh, nice. I, there was a Balky lookalike in one of these films this week. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was now. Oh, it might have oh, been. Oh, no, that one. was in Lombada. The lead looks a bit like Balky. <laughs> so like a little bit Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Um, a little dreamier, though. You know that 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 uh, I give you a good example. I thought about naming my son Bronson because I thought, you know, let's let's, let's good get thing you didn't for the pincho factor. <laughs> well, that's the thing. See, it's a generational thing. I realize now because I said that to my wife. She's like, "Give me some names and recommendations." When we found out it was a boy, and I gave her a bunch, and she's going through them, and she sees Bronson. She goes, "I am not naming my son after Bronson Pincho." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, and yeah, did you follow up with, don't be ridiculous? Yes. I was thinking, you want to eat this sausage? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, that was like wrong Bronson. She's like, that's the only Bronson I know. And I'm like, oh, blasphemy. Yeah, because you have to think of the worst case scenario that that name can spawn. Yeah. So, But she had a good point because, you know, fuckers. modern generation, you know, they're going to call him, you're going to think on Andy Mentor as like people say, you named your son Bronson. That's kind of interesting. I was, yeah, I'll, and I'll say it's one of my favorite actors, and they'll be like, "Wow, I never really thought about it." But Bronson Pinchot hasn't done a lot of stuff. He fucking slayed in True Romance. 
He actually was pretty good in Drew Wiz, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That was kind of his shining moment <laughs> other than Balky. Um, uh, I'd like to see a... Actually, no, I was going to say I'd like to see a buddy cop movie with him and Meshack Taylor, but I wouldn't like to see that. <laughs> that would be terrible. I'm actually surprised it doesn't exist. Jesus. Um, the only line I really thought was witty, witty slash funny from Sloan is when they pull up to a, a place that says Motel Bar on it, and Sloan says to her, you take the motel, I'll take the bar. <laughs> He's just still trying to get her off his trail. And uh, what's great about that bar, despite being sort of a ramshackle kind of bamboo hut in the Philippines, they do stock J&B. Yes, at 3326, I got on my time code, J&B, baby. Exactly. And and members only has reached the shores of the Philippines. Yes. (laughs) And further to that. Aren't, Aren't they made there? I don't know. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I remember you had back then when everything was made in Taiwan, the Philippines. It yeah, seemed. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also, they're not above outfitting their bar with uh, a painting of the, the infamous painting of dogs playing pool. <laughs> not cards, but pool. So, oh, yes. That's cool. Uh, one of the great kind of what the fuck moments in this film is when a cobra is in Sloan's vehicle and it's like squirming around near his dick in the steering wheel and I love how he just picks him and goes here you go and he throws it in the car beside him during a chase and uh, in one of the bizarre moments in the film the, the villain's car the henchman's car goes in the drink and I think someone says oh, Sloan what's going on or what happened are they okay or what would you do or something and he looks at them and goes hope you hope you brought your rubber duckies <laughs> he drives off with his with his shitty fucking cackle that he does. Yeah, yeah. Sloan, you know that that's my favorite moment in the film is the cobra moment. He you you meant you missed the he actually picks it up and bites its head off. Does he really? Yeah, he bites its head oh off. Oh my god, I missed that. And then he throws it into the car and scares the oh, dudes. Oh man, it's it's a total what the fuck moment. It's the See, if there had been more moments like that, it would have been great. Yeah, that was my favorite moment of the film. I mean, yeah, that I don't know if that gives I like, away I like the, the, the body slam through the, the glass table <laughs> myself, yeah. but but I love oh, the looks. Great I love the looks they're giving each other while the cobra's coming up his lap, you know. And these guys are confounded by this headless cobra, which is, I mean, they're in the Philippines. They surely they've seen a few snakes in their day. Yeah, you'd think so. But, uh, you know, I guess they've never seen a headless snake. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sloan bit the head off that motherfucker. He did, man. That's <laughs> that's funny. I didn't even realize that. Um, never wouldn't want to meet him in a bathhouse. No, definitely not. Uh, I love when he when they're at the, they're at the gas station again, and he goes, "They finally pissed me off," and he fucking starts drenching the place in gasoline and just shoots it and blows up the gas station. They finally pissed me off. They finally pissed me off. Um, that's great. What's great is that our main villain, who you don't see until almost the end of the film, has a great um, technique that he's trained his henchmen to follow, where he does like the clapper. He claps on and claps off while wearing his smoking jacket, and like the, the goons will come running. Yes, <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, what does this say? This is a one-time thing, Sloan. No, I think that was about oh, the sex scene again. The, the, yeah, and it doesn't show any titties, man. Like you gotta show some titties, man. <laughs> uh, so Sloan's really annoying. We've said that. Fuck him. Um, he does trade his deck shoes for army fatigues, which is bizarre. The sexual tension stays on for far too long. Uh, I love Sloane's keen eye for observation when he's getting shot from outside a cave by just 
a hail of gunfire and he goes, there's at least one of them out there. Yeah, <laughs> at least That's one of them. At least one of them out there. <laughs> um, and then we have finally at an hour and 15, we get bullets and explosions. It's like, where were you guys for the first 75 minutes of the film? Um, there's, and then Sloan does this great thing that I'd like to say is the most awkward face plant down four stairs in the history of cinema. <laughs> he kind of bonks his face on like the ground. Yeah. It's awkward. Um, he shoots a black painted propane tank that, that clearly Rosenthal didn't think we were going to see. <laughs> they had it hidden. She tried to yeah, hide it. Um, and then this, yeah, this, this little person, pygmy cannibal, Cave dweller, they come with ten minutes left in the film. It's like, and way to blow your load in the last ten minutes. Um, oh, and then there's a real, just a, one final kind of dickhead Sloan moment. Where it seems like the film's done, and then he just he gets in a helicopter. And I got to give it up to him because he's got white Daisy Dukes on, a white golf shirt, deck shoes, but he's got the socks. So that's a that's a that's a minus one for the fucking socks, but. <laughs> He's got an L.A. Raiders hat on. Oh, yeah. That is that, so, is that is a sign of the times right there. Really great one. And he gets in this helicopter, and he blows up this, this drug baron or this crime lord's house. And he goes, you guys looking for me? Woohoo! Ha, 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 ha. More cackling from this motherfucker. You know, and, uh, and that's it. It's game over for, uh, for the bad guys. Yeah. It's pretty funny, and and you know when we talk about it, I actually think it's funnier than what it was when I watched it. My experience yeah. wasn't as great as actually talking about the film. Um, I, is that all your notes? That's all my notes. I gotta go uh, put on my deck shoes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to agree with uh, Chef was talking about uh, on his Miso account. He talked about how that it's a career-ending role for Robert Resnick in a lot of ways because oh, yeah. he's such a jerk. He is, and I don't think the guy did anything. After this, actually, I don't think I think this was it. I think this was his last film, which, you know, maybe he at this point he's like, "Fuck, <laughs> there's no point in going on." This is clearly a high water mark. Yeah, so it might be a a career ender to say the least. Um, it's it's a fun film though. I mean, it, it's it's fun in some ways. I I don't like it as much as I liked Revolt. I'm going to come out front and say that right now. Which is strange, because I watched this second and thought I was going to like it more than Revolt. But it does have some moments, and it's got the, some JM, again, it's got some of those uh, GGTMC-esque moments in it. The JMB, some of the the dressing, uh, some of the, uh, you know, the bandolier, the sweaty lead. So, you know, the thing I didn't like, I, I you know, I had the hunch that the action was going to get really crazy, and like I heard it got really nuts in the back end, but I never really felt like it got as nuts no. as I wanted it to. You no, know, just had a couple moments, a little sprinkle here and there. But again, if you're going to be Pantheon, you got to bring it for 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And there's this kind of exaggerated macho-ness to the Sloan character, which doesn't really carry oh. with our lead. You know, he's oh. he's very, he's very, uh, he boasts a lot, but he doesn't look like the kind of guy that can boast. That's the problem That's I, right. I have with this character. He doesn't know when to stop boasting and start doing. Right, right, right. So that's where... I mean, I mean, there's there's something of a cult film here because it's got the great title Sloan, you know, you got this great lead, and I'm not, not by saying great lead, I don't mean the actor. I mean, it's a great idea for a lead. So if they could have got like somebody like a Red Brown, I thought Red Brown as well, or even Ted Pryor, somebody like that, or mm-hmm. some, you know, one of these kind of B movie action stars, I think they could have had something here. 
But I think sadly the 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 film really falls on the talents of Robert Resnick. And I think that's where it really hurts. So that's where the bigger issues I had. I did it was fun seeing Deborah Blee and you know having her in the film and seeing a lot of her as actually it was really nice. Um sounded a bit like Borat there. <laughs> yeah. It was really nice. Um yeah, but like, you know, it's just it's it's again, both these films are weird. I'm not going to say that the and the not to say that our pantheon films aren't weird films because they are. But this one just this one I don't know. The tone is more consistent, but it was and not It's more competently made, too. Yeah, and it's more competently made, but I it wasn't a tone that I that I was really into. I had problems with it. I you would think with a, a lead who gets the women he wants, knows karate, smokes cigars while wearing white, which is always a tricky disposition. You got to be careful there. Mm-hmm. Smoking a big fat cigar while wearing nothing but uh, uh, your tennis outfit is always tricky. Oh yeah, got to watch the ash. Yeah, that ash can be a motherfucker because you rub that in, you're fucked. Yeah, it's ruined. You know, you, you, you got to pinch the shirt and shake it off. <laughs> yeah. And you know that's the technique because you rub it in, you are fucked, pal. Yeah, you learned it. Do the shake, <laughs> be a little shimmy, <laughs> but uh, popping and locking. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that you know some of the dollars. I, I will say that Cobra moment is pretty great. I mean, it uh, is. And that, that's 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 one for that is a pantheon moment. Um, it is a. Pan- I'm glad you told me he bit the head off because I must have been down. Like, I had my head down taking a note. It makes no I sense mean, though. That's the thing. If you grab, he grabs a snake by the head, and you already think, "Wow, he's badass." He grabbed a cobra by the head. He's going to throw it out the car, but no, he bites the head off the cobra. <laughs> Probably not a good thing considering where their venom is. Yeah. I mean, I'm no snake expert, but I have to think it's probably somewhere in their head. I know Heaven Strash is a big snake guy. Let's have him write or call or Facebook message or tweet us how wise it is to bite the head off of the king cobra. <laughs> It's like what the fuck, you know. I mean, it was a total what the fuck moment, but it made me laugh. I mean, a lot. I was like, why did he bite the head off? It don't make any sense. Yeah. It's almost like one of those moments where you almost don't want to give it away to our listeners who haven't seen it, but it, we, we have to talk about it because it's just that insane. So yeah, uh, I think that they were trying to obviously turn Resnick into, uh, you know, these '80s action stars. There was a lot of these guys at this point. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of these kind of boozy lovable rogues or like your guys like your Michael Douglas's, your indies or even the stuff that the Italians tried to do with Warbeck. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then so you know, I think they were kind of hoping that this would create a like a little franchise maybe. But mm-hmm. uh so say la vie it was not to be. So no. I don't really have a whole lot of notes on this one. I wish I did, but uh don't really have a lot. I mean, I think you cover just about everything. It's a pretty basic film with a very obnoxious lead. Whose breath smells of cobra venom and bad Honduran cigar. <laughs> so I'll kick it back over to you for Maker Breaks and MVTs. Again, not a break, but a break in terms of keeping it from Pantheon. The lack of action and how fucking smarmy Sloan was. Yes. <laughs> uh, just couldn't get past that. Um, MVT is the, the last 15 minutes of the film. You could say it could go for Maker Break, but it is the most valuable thing in the film. Uh, if... If Cynthia had got naked more, I would have said her. That sounds crass, but it's the truth. Well, she's a very attractive uh, lady. so She's I'm... an attractive woman, big hair and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last 15 minutes are pretty insane. That's when you kind of get a lot of... Ex- that's when you get your explosions and your pygmy midget cannibals and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the one fuck? men. I mean, there are some true what-the-fuck moments. Yeah, no, there are. Uh, my score for the film is a 5.75. Um, you know, just it's, it's okay. I probably won't revisit this. 
I'd say I never would if it was other, like right before the Cobra moment or you know, there's a couple moments like somebody says they finally pissed me off and he pulls up the gas station <laughs> that's good too I think even if the lead had have been really likable that could have gone a long way towards bumping the score up but that just accentuated our problems with the film I think yeah yep. Yeah, Amon Brake is the lead, but it's not the actual character of the lead. I could have been okay with a lead as an asshole. Oh, yeah. I could have been okay with that, but I just think that Resnick is not very charismatic. No. I think that's his biggest problem. I think that's the biggest problem. He looks like a like a low-rent Red Brown. That's what he looks like to me. A skinny low-rent Red Brown. Yeah, so that's my yeah. break for the film. Uh, MVT, I, I got to give it the guts to make a hero this smarmy. It's pretty brave, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, we're pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's it's one or the other. So you know, I'm I'm gonna give that the MVT because that between that and the snake scene, the, that's my favorite things of the film. So, <laughs> but it, again, if you'd have had Red Brown doing this, or if you'd have had, uh, you name it, there's a, quite a few. You know, we could name all kinds of things. Oh, how about uh, Lee Horsley? <laughs> I'm down, man. Horsley should have worked more. Yeah, so like somebody like that. Gives you know. great mustache. Yeah. My score is just a little bit lower than yours. It's 5.5. It's a good movie. Uh, don't know if I'll revisit it much. I had some fun with it. <laughs> if by much, you mean ever. <laughs> yeah, if by much, I mean ever, yeah. But I would definitely show some of the scenes to my friends, though. So Yeah, this is a you, you can call the best moments from YouTube. I put them on YouTube and think, you know, here you go. Yeah. I'm actually surprised this isn't on YouTube. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's our thoughts on Sloan. You want to give the uh, pleasantries? Yeah. Here we go. Look at our sister shows, Show Show. Uh, I was a little bit behind. I'm getting caught up on them. Good to hear them. Uh, talk, they talk about this movie called Creating Rem Lazar. Oh, which, yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> bizarre isn't even the word. It's just, yeah, so... Uh, glad to hear them at it again, or me at it, listening to them again. So behind, uh, check out Sylvan Gold, OTC, Hammockus, uh, and Chills from the Skeleton Closet, Podcast on Fire, Podcast on Honor and Humanity, Cine Awesome. Um, where's my pen? What's James's new show, Eternal? No, Optimistic Lovers, Hopeful Lovers? <laughs> I, you know what, I, I had it in my head, and when you started saying that, I, I can't remember now. Easy lovers, they gotta hold on. Something romantics, maybe? Hopeful romantics. Oh, James, we're so sorry. We are hopeful. I think it's hopeful romantics. Hopeful romantics. Um, so anyway, there's that. There's, we're, so, we're so awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we love you, James. We do. I mean, he fucking brought it this week on Sylvain Gold, man. Yes. He slayed. I told him he's the microwave, man. Vinnie Johnson, he can come in any time and just fucking kill it. Um, action attraction. Speaking of easy lovers, uh, <laughs> yeah. married with clickers. That's pretty <laughs> Good funny. Good key. <laughs> married with clickers, uh, Paleo Cinema. Girls on film, <laughs> Glee cast, Family Movie Night, 35mm Heroes, Chinstrike versus Punter, and OTLP, which is Night of the Living Podcast. Uh, the Big Red Podcast, Better in the Dark. Uh, their Milieu Trilogy show will be up soon. Um, v Cinema, Criterion Cast, Projection Booth, Mondo Film, Podcast. Uh, love that. Love that album. 
movie matchup. Um, a man, a lady, no, excuse me, a man, a kid, a pony. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's shows. And then we also have, let me write this down. I'm stumbling here. <laughs> Hopeful romantics, not easy lovers. Um, easy. Fuck's sakes. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to start an Easy Lovers podcast, Mikey. <laughs> Just to spin off, spin off our own show, man. We should do it. Oh, man. Um, I just got to work on my falsetto. Uh, <laughs> you got to fucking come in every week in a helicopter, man. Paracinema.net, nightmaretheater.blip.tv. Maybe, hey, maybe actually Sloan can fly in. Yeah, uh, he can. <laughs> be laughing at me as I get out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, cackle to me, did you miss me? Uh, <laughs> we are Young Monster, uh, teleport-city.com, and these are all .blogspot.com, uh, ggtmc, Rupert Pupkin speaks, he speaks on this. Uh, I haven't had enough sleep, clearly. The wheels are really falling <laughs> off quickly. Deadly Dolls host, Chuck Norris my baby, uh, Fist of B-List, Cinema Gonzo, Playground of Doom, Scared Shiftless and Shasta, Moon in the Gutter, Wax Mask, DeathRattle.net, LightningBugsLayer.com, We Like Stuff Too, A Hero Never Dies, The Freaking Awesome Network, Feed My Ears, which is on Facebook. It's a group that John Ross started for music lovers everywhere. Easy lovers everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> DiabolicDVD.com, Cinema-DE-Bazaar.com, All Your Hard to Find Genre Needs, Promo Code 10, No, Your Promo Code's Gentlemen. For 10 percent off your orders. Uh, omg-entertainment.com, promo code GTMC10, BoulevardMovies.com, The Mighty Camera Obscura, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, etc. Good night. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Uh, looks like next week we're going to do another listener program show from our Kickstarter campaign. Um, yeah. I just went ahead and made the choice, if you don't mind. Uh, no, not at all. That would be fantastic. <laughs> but this will be from Forrest Whitaker's Neck. Ooh, nice. So we are doing uh, The Majorettes. Wicked. Which is a film he's a big fan of, and I think he wants to hear our opinion. I've never seen it. No, nor have I. And then a film both of us have seen, I believe, called uh, Band of the Hand. Yeah, oh, I forgot he picked. This is going to be interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Michael Mann produced Band of the Hand. Yeah, so we'll be doing The Majorettes and Band of the Hand next week. Uh, we hope everybody enjoys our easy listening and easy loving podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those wheels—they went left, right, backwards, forwards. Let's put this, yeah. this bus has no wheels anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're up on blocks now, baby. <laughs> but uh, with that, I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman. At 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 